a welcome back. God damn, it's episode 10. In this episode, I had the pleasure of interviewing a man named Montana Ricky. This dude is, man, he lives and breathes BMX. It's all BMX all the time for this dude, which is pretty crazy. Um, But as you'll hear, all things need balance. You know what I'm saying? Everything in life needs a little bit of balance. It was my pleasure to talk to this dude. And, uh, man, I haven't known him that long, actually. Only about a month now. But I think, you know, once we started talking, like, we kind of realized we we were very similar in a lot of things we're into. So it was sick to finally get him on and uh, be, able to, be able to holler at him for a little bit. And, uh... I'm stoked, but before we start, I just want to say I'm happy you're all here, and I'm just happy in general, man. I've just been very, very happy lately. You know, despite all the crazy shit that's going on in the world, I'm just a very fucking happy person. So I'm stoked. I want to give a quick shout-out to Heavy Pedals BMX. Man, you ever you ever miss BMX magazines? I sure as hell do, man. I remember going to the bike shop, or even, you know, my friends would have a subscription. I'd go over there and just flip through the new magazine that came out. I still I, I'm getting that vibe from this magazine, you know. I guess I should say zine, but whatever. It's full color, so it can, it kind of gives out that vibe of a real magazine, you know. Check them out on Instagram, Heavy Pedals Zine, and that's pedals with a Z. Uh, real quick, just want to send a shout out to Mister Poor Boy Steve. Y'all remember Poor Boy? You remember that artwork? If you rode in the '90s, you definitely remember that shit. Pretty iconic artwork, but he's still doing it. You know, he's still out there living living that dream and uh, fighting that good fight as an artist. So hit up uh, Mr. Poor Boy Steve. That's Steve, S-T-E-E-V. Not the traditional spelling, because this dude, he's, he's just, uh, he's a little different, man. You know? Hit him up. He'll do some commission work. He's got t-shirts, stickers, mugs, face masks, everything. Hit him up, poor boy Steve. Lastly, I just want to say, this is episode ten. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do seasons. I decided I'm gonna do some seasons. So, I think each season is gonna be twelve episodes. So we got a few more, and then I'm gonna take a little break. You know, maybe a month, maybe a few weeks, maybe, maybe a couple months. Who knows? But I just, you know, take a break, recuperate a little bit. I just don't wanna, man. The last thing I wanna do is get stagnant with this. You know. So, during that time, if you have any suggestions for anything, anything you want me to change, do differently, anything I should add, holler at me, man. But I'm stoked y'all are here. Uh, Let's kill this shit. Let's get into this interview. Please welcome Montana Ricky. Hello. Yeah, dude. Sick. Any reproduction of this record, What are you doing? Alright, so you want me to do a little explaining, is that it? Open your ears, bitches. It's the Yad live montana ricky what up yo yo what's good so uh 
so with talking, since that's what I like to do, I'm one of those types of dudes that like to hear his own voice, but it has to do with BMX. That's when it's even better for me. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know who Sean McKinney is, right? Mm-hmm. The old sales rep for S&M. Yep. So uh, obviously I'm a sales rep, sales rep for Merit. Been doing it for six years. Uh, so um, I actually got my job because of Sean McKinney. Not because Sean got me the job, but for the simple fact that they wanted to hire someone that did the job exactly like Sean McKinney, which was just kind of the, who gives a fuck what I say, just make sales and be a BMXer. And that's kind of how Sean McKinney's way was. He just didn't give a shit. So he would be, I don't drink or smoke or do any drugs, but Sean would just come to work completely fucking hammered and just say whatever was on his mind. (laughs) <laughs> probably talk about dicks a lot right and people would just buy stuff because they felt comfortable around him so uh word on the street was sean mckinney was the longest talking sales rep there ever was so if he got you on the phone you couldn't get off the phone for fucking two hours no matter what right so i went out of my way and tried to find his phone number but he was like stashed out hiding at his mom's house like in texas when he mm-hmm. left california after quitting s&m Mm-hmm. and I finally located his number, got a hold of him, and then just called him and started shooting the shit and just asking him random, random questions about, like, the things he did at Primo when it first started and just flatland and things, and we ended up talking for, like, four and a half hours, and then eventually about four and a half hours in, he's like, fuck, all right, kid, I get it. You love BMX way more than I do, and you love fucking talking. You win. I was like, yes! But Were you, uh... For- were you, were you hitting him up to uh, get some tips on selling? Because I just always wondered, like, as a BMX sales rep, are you really, like, trying hard to sell shit? Are people coming to you? Like, what's the deal with that? Um, for me, I have a, a completely different approach. I tried to do it as the mom and pop approach. Mm-hmm. So since um, I used to be part owner of a bike shop called Knicker Biker in uh, Great Falls, Montana. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of cheating. Unlike most sales reps, they're just guys that worked in retail and they like to do the, oh, yeah, man, I know about BMX, but they have no fucking clue what it's like to be in a shop. And so uh, for me, it's a lot of just groundwork, man. I just I hit Instagram. I see kids wanting things and I just DM them, DM them up and I'm like, yo, I was like, you can get those grips. What's your local bike shop? And then they'll give me their local bike shop. And they'll be like, yo, at Indie Bikes, man. Talk to the owner. His name's Dick. And I'll just fucking call. And they'll be like, yo, is uh, Jane and Dick there? And then usually the owner will answer and be like, uh, this is Dick. But hey, you have no clue who I am. But this local kid told me that you have a bike shop. And I know you don't have enough time. Just give me your email. I'll shoot you over my info. And if you want some bike parts, I'm happy to send them to you. Which is shit like that. Yeah, that's actually pretty uh that's pretty fucking cool that you're doing that because there's a lot of BMX not BMX shops, excuse me, bike shops in towns that aren't getting any like BMX love because they're just yes, definitely because they just don't get the the clientele, you know, but if you got someone like you who's reaching out to the shop that shows that there's kids in the area so maybe they'll try to change their ways up a little bit, you know. Right. And a lot of it is, is you gotta, you gotta teach kids. Kids think like, Oh, well, my bike shop doesn't support BMX. The mm-hmm. reason the bike shop doesn't support BMX, you dumbass, is because you don't support the shop. Mm-hmm. I was like, you gotta be a part of your local shop. If they're 
nut huggers and they all wear those spandex queen shit. Mm-hmm. Even though you don't like it or anything, go into the shop. They're going to tell you they don't carry BMX. Be like, hey, look, I'd like to order some BMX from you. Give them some bread. Give them a little bit of money. Yep. Support them. And then they'll support BMX. And that's kind of like, you know, kids are very stubborn, but they also think everything should just be handed to them or given to them. And they don't understand what it's like when we were younger and I would be like, well, I'm only going to order from Trend or Mm -hmm. I'm only going to order from, I would never order from Dance Comp. I mean, I was guilty of it a few times, Mm -hmm. but, uh, you know, I would always try to just support somebody like LBs and staff. You know what I mean? And these kids have no clue. Like, I didn't have a local shop for a long time. I'm from Montana. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I ordered off Dan's many, many times because I just never, I was just kind of a, I don't know. I was just oblivious to the fact that people were fucking struggling to survive in BMX. And like, Dan's had a streamlined process that just fucking worked easily. But like, with that said, I went to my local shop here where I'm living right now. And I just went in there. Of course there was no BMX stuff, but I was like, yo man, could you guys order some stuff? I'm looking really just looking to get a chain. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. we get this uh, cult chain. And it was like Hell yeah. a very competitive price. It was a normal price. He's like, we'll ship it for free. It'll be here in like three days. And it worked out. Hell great. Yeah. I was like, damn. All right, cool. Yeah, man. It's just a lot of it is, is I think a lot of companies forget the idea of how it really works. Like, People don't think of sales reps like like BMX. This is really controversial. This is why, like, as me, I'm a writer and I'm a sales rep and I just love BMX as a whole. And a lot of times kids just look at a company and they think it's the riders that are selling things. And this is where I usually get in trouble because I have a fucking huge mouth. (laughs) But I will say a majority of the time yes it's cool there's a bike team but a majority of those fucking dudes don't sell anything because let's put it to the test the greatest bike rider in the world right now is who go ahead and say his fucking name yes garrett reynolds okay garrett reynolds all right if garrett reynolds was the greatest bike rider in the since he's the greatest bike rider in the world don't you think fiend would be the greatest team in the world or the greatest like selling company no, it's not because like a lot of times it's people don't understand that it's the reps that put in the work and do the time to make the money for the company. Now I know that's my fucking job. But the other thing is, is like with riders, they got to understand like, Hey dude, the more you help with the sales rep, the more you end up making and the bigger the brand gets and the better it is. And a lot of times people don't like to mention money when it comes to BMX. They don't think about it. Well, it is a business and without money, that business isn't there anymore. It's not selling out. It's business 101. It needs to be spoken. Companies don't like to fucking talk about it because they're afraid of it because if they mention money, it's a negative in a way because people don't understand. But if someone comes out, talks about it a little bit more and makes it more understandable to the basic crowd, Mm-hmm. It would make situations way better. But maybe that's because I'm six years into this shit and I'm already like, I got, you know, wounds. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, and I'm, I think I'm about the same age as you and I've never worked in the industry. And I just kind of wondered like what the whole sales rep deal is. Um, but going back to uh, 
riders selling bikes. Like on the flip side of that argument, fucking Mira, Nyquist, they sold bikes, man. You know what I'm saying? But and they got to pay. They got paid accordingly. You know what I mean? Like you, yes. take, you take like an NBA player or even like someone in the NFL. They're making millions a year. But on the other hand, how much money are they bringing back into their city? You know, and the organization. Right. And there's just, there's a lot of politics to it. And a lot of sales reps don't talk about it like that, but it does happen. Like you do get, for me, I go to conventions. I support everybody. I try to help every company. If somebody calls me and they're from another shop and they're like, Hey Ricky, I want pink tires. Cool. Here's Stolen's phone number. Give Stolen a call. They got new pink tires in Sunday. Just got pink tires and hit Brandon up over at uh, Sunday. He'll be able to sell you those. Oh, shit. You want those new camo tires? I'll hit you up with Nick's number over at Robbie's right now. Mm-hmm. I will help you out. I have no problem helping and selling and doing all that stuff because I believe if we all pitch in together, we can all grow together. The problem, though, is you run into the we're such a small market. There's probably what? I think I did the math, 22 actual separate companies without one person owning an umbrella. Hmm. And with just 22 companies, everyone races to the bottom. And that kind of sucks because there's a middleman and that middleman is the shop. And without a bike shop, we don't have companies. So I look at everything as supporting the mom and pop shops and supporting BMX shops. There's probably 12 BMX shops left in the whole United States, completely 100% with no 26 or 29-inch bikes, just 20-inch bikes. I think I think it's 12, maybe nine. So there isn't a big number for that, and uh, that's scary, man. I, you know... I remember walking into goods and seeing a wall of frames. That was the probably sexiest and most magnificent thing I'd ever seen when Rich mm-hmm. Hirsch and Shad just opened that shop. And now when you go in there, you know, you're seeing nothing but road bikes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's not fucking sexy to me, you know? No, no definitely not. Um, but the, yeah, that's one thing I was going to say about you. And if you don't mind, I'll give you a compliment. No, you, uh, I love your transparency and just the fact that you're always out there. You're always doing something. I think you found a way to not only support these, these shops and you, and the company you work for, but also brand yourself in a way that you're just showing kids like, yo, just, just get out there and do it. You know what I mean? It seems like you ride every day. I don't know. Yeah. Every day. I, I, I try to ride every single day and I know that people think it's corny, but I do care about Instagram because Instagram is my resume. Mm-hmm. And it's my resume to like, I get it. Like if you want a real Ricky, that's not talking to the public and I'm in a bad fucking mood. I hate fucking free coasters. I hate vapes. I hate dudes with fucking <laughs> corny mustaches. I fucking hate so much things, but that's the old 37 year old 30. Fuck. I'm going to be 38, 38 year old man talking, but realistically my customer basis base base whatever and i have the worst speech i just make words up go along with it uh you know my customers are freaking 12 to 16 dude mm-hmm. 12 to 16 those are the guys those kids have no jobs it's corona time they ain't going to fucking school they sit on a phone man they want clips mm-hmm. like brandon began dave frymuth so many dudes of like yo fucking ricky 
I, I like your Instagram. I like following you, but I can't follow you because you post more than anyone. And I'm like, look, dude, this shit isn't for you. Mm. This shit is for the kids, man. These mm. kids are the ones that keep my company. Well, it's not my company, but the company I work for and the brands that I support, they keep them alive. And those kids want those things. I was like, you want to follow my other accounts? Follow the mid-school. Follow the Y2K. Follow the, all the other ones mm -hmm. that I do. Then you'll have no problem because it's man. specific to you. That's a good point, dude. That's something I need to remind myself too because I just I, I was gonna I was gonna mention that you do post a lot, but the difference is it looks like the the stuff you're posting is all in like good fun. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. you don't look like you're out there fucking trying fucking for hours to get this clip, editing it together, all that bullshit. You're just out there showing what you're doing. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, you know, uh, uh, here here's one crazy for you. So Lance B. Lance B runs uh skunk brothers which is rat boy dave smoker dave eric Schilling. i think eric's mm -hmm. last name is Schilling. uh just basically all the 1992 you know els bells the gons mm -hmm. it's like their whole group and uh lance is coming back and he sent me a text this morning he's like yo uh rat boy hit me up and we're gonna make a video I need like 12 clips from you. Do you have 12 clips? And I was like, dude, I'll send you a fucking hundred right now. I have stacked. I think I have 250 clips I've never posted that I just have sitting in my phone. Because whenever I go out, I try to get five or six clips. And for me, a clip to me is something that makes another person smile. No matter, like, I know that I ride big bikes. Like, I know that that's a big corny thing to people. And it's probably pissed. Well, Catfish has already hit me up, told me I'm a faggot. But for me, it's like, hey, dude, I want something different and more challenging. If you've been doing something for 30 fucking years, you want something close to it, but you want something that's different. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I'm just sick and tired of riding a kid's bike all the time. Hence, that's why I change my bike every three months. But go ahead. No, I was just going to ask. Those big bikes, is that a 26-inch? 29. Oh, God damn, man. You got to explain that just a little bit to me because it looks like that that whole culture just kind of – it just took place as a matter of like a few years ago. It just really came about, it seems like. Uh, it's been around for six years. Well, it's been around for 40 years. But it, it, it mm -hmm. just got bigger once Todd Lyons took over SE. And I'd say it's about six years. Mm -hmm. And I've been doing it for four years. And I've been sponsored for a year for it. And uh, uh, for me, it's it, it's not a joke. It's not like you're seeing every single dude like, you know, Chris Duncan back in fucking 2006 when he left free agent. He's like, yo, I'm going to start riding mountain bikes. And it just mm. became a fucking joke. It, it, for me, it's not a joke. It's it's a new thing that hasn't been done. It's like longboarding and skateboarding. Basically, it's the same exact thing as longboarding. Longboarding is super fucking long. It's hard. The trucks are wider. The tires are, are wider and the board's thicker and bigger. It's harder to do everything, right? Same thing with the 29, all right? It's a, it's a V bottom bracket. Like the, when I do handrails, I'm either on the front peg and the bottom bracket or the back peg and the bottom bracket. There's no front peg or back peg drop touching. So for me, I'm touching a whole new territory and it's super fun. And all these kids are just doing nothing but footwork and manuals. And the funny part is they don't even realize that BMX exists. Mm. And that's what intrigues me. So I get around 250, 300 kids 
and I do an Eddie Fiola moonwalk mm-hmm. from 1985. And those kids are like, what the fuck is that? Mm. And I'm like, it's a stupid ass AFA contest that <laughs> Eddie Fiola used to do back in the day. And now I'm just doing it on a big bike and you guys think it's awesome as shit. So it's basically the basics. The bare basics is cool to them. A 180 on that bike is mind blowing to them. Mm. And I miss watching before what was before the X Games uh, stunt series. I miss when just a tail whip would win a fucking contest. When a basic backflip and you would case would win a contest. I you know when people would go to scrap and you would just have the dopest fucking dudes. Mike Griffin's riding. For all these great dudes that we looked up to, John, fuck, help me out. John Percy would be riding. All these great dudes, and all they had to do was an X up, and the whole crowd went nuts. Now BMX has just lost that to me. See, here I go on a fucking old uh, man. I'm with tantrum. you. I'm with you. Dude, I, I, I miss like I uh, maybe because I'm so addicted to BMX. I can watch a kid, and it'll be my first time watching. I can guess every trick he's gonna do. It barely surprises me. And you can't even throw Tate in the mix when someone's when I push play on Tate's videos. I already know what he's gonna do before he does it, because I I think as weird as he does, I just don't have enough time because I have a full time job, mm. so I can't sit there and fuck around for nine hours to do tricks that he does. Yeah. But I watch kids nowadays, man, and I'm like, dude, stop emulating what you see be yourself do something completely different no matter how dumb or how stupid you think you look like you already dress stupid okay mm-hmm. so <laughs> <laughs> like that you already dress dumb and 20 years from now you're gonna look back at that shit like me and you do and go mm-hmm. fuck i wore jenko's <laughs> god damn you cory nastasio you know oh, what i mean shit, so yeah. it's like it's like be yourself, man. And, and I try my hardest when I get around dudes that are younger than me and I say, hey, man, I'm not bitching. I'm not trying to pull the old man card. I'm just going to tell you exactly how it is. And this is exactly what it is. Five years from now, whatever you're doing doesn't fucking matter, bro. Hmm. Just enjoy yourself. Go yeah. out and ride your fucking bike because you have no clue what's going to happen in five years. Hence, look at Troy McMurray, 50 fucking years old, his knee is broken right now, but he has a year to wait for his shattered leg to completely heal before they re-break his knee again and mm-hmm. then do reconstructive surgery on his knee. You know what he's doing? He's already texting me telling me he wants to do fucking backflips and 360s at the trails. And I'm like, dude, come on, bro. Calm the fuck down. Well, yeah. Chris Moeller is coming back. I'm like, yeah, he's got two fucking fake hips. <laughs> I was like, he's barely coming back. Chill. You guys are 50 years old. And that's the thing that I want to be, man. And I tell kids, I'm like, look, I might be the old crusty bastard that's 37, but I was like, I'm thinking 13 years from now being 50 and killing it like Troy McMurray and Dennis McCoy and Jamie Beswick and fucking, oh God, I can go on and on. Am I just, I'm just talking. See this? Won't you get me going, bro? No, you're good, man. I was going to say, uh, it seems like the more refined the writing gets, the more soul gets stripped from it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it just you talked about an X up and just doing nothing really and hanging up. There's there's soul behind hanging up, you know? Yeah, man. I mean there's soul behind scrap days. 
holy mm. fuck i hadn't even thought about i only said scrap because i knew you were from the midwest so mm -hmm. i figured i'd throw some of those old school skate parks in your face <laughs> yeah man. appreciate that yeah it was it was wild walking into scrap during those days you know the late 90s for me and just walking into like the session that was going down and that that can be said for any going to any skate park these days it's like anytime you'd walk in the decks would be packed and there was a heavy session which you know it didn't really in the long run i think it helped out for me but when when i was there i was like man i ain't fucking riding like what what, what am i gonna do you know yeah you know and i come from how many people how many people were in your town that you grew up in oh i had about eight thousand Okay, so uh, I'm a little bigger than you. I think I had like 20-something thousand. And uh, the I, you know, the bike riders that I had there, I, I guess I was really blessed. There was this guy named Scott Hopper, and he was a vert rider. Mm -hmm. And uh, he would go to Canada and do vert riding with Jay Miron and all those dudes. So, like, he built this big-ass, like, 14-foot uh, vert ramp in his backyard. And, you know, I learned 540, not airs, but under copings, like, when I was 12. On a vert like ramp? Like, on a vert ramp, yeah. So, it's like, I couldn't really ride ramps, but I just had dudes that I saw, and I was like, I have to ride like him. If I, if I, if, if I don't do that, I, I'm just going to be a pussy, and I won't be able to hang. And so, it was like anything i saw if i saw it in the magazine and i was watching brad blanchard and i'm like i can't do a turndown but i'm gonna try him all day long because i gotta be like him i want to be a dirt brother oh yeah you know growing up in my little tiny town i had him and a couple of these indian dudes that used to steal bikes and they used to do uh do you remember front somersault like uh matt hoffman used to do the front flip like the air out and front flip off the bike and land oh, yeah. on top of the deck yeah bike just like bails off and goes flying yeah, so there was a few kids, Chris Bender, Fish, and then that Scott. They would just go as fast as they can mm -hmm. and then slam on the front brakes mm -hmm. and then just do a front flip off of it on yeah. straight ground. Oh, yeah. So I would see that and be like, yo, dude, I got to fucking do that. But the only thing that I could do was like a Vander roll. Mm -hmm. I was like, I just didn't have the balls for it. But, uh, you know, I had those guys. And then you fast forward two years later and Eddie Cleveland moved to my town. And then I had Josh Parker. And then we ended up moving, going to the Washington. And then I met Baby Hoder. Well, we mm -hmm. called him Fat Mike, which was uh, Mike Hoder when he was a little kid. Mm -hmm. And it was like I was just blessed by the people that I grew up with and who I met from these tiny little towns because it made me love BMX just that much more. Because, I mean, if you came from a town that was 8,000 people, you have the same mentality as me. You could be in your car with your parents and a kid rides by on his bike and you're like, mom, dad, stop, please. I got to talk to this kid. Mm -hmm. We got to fucking ride, dude. Look at that. Oh my God. He's got a free agent. Oh, that's the dopest bike piece of shit in the world. But you were just so stoked that he was on a bike. You know what I mean? Yeah. And with that said, like there wasn't one single time that I would drive by my local skate park and not fucking absolutely analyze who was there <laughs> you know what i'm saying like if yeah. and if there was someone there like i was going to get my bike or whatever i was doing hell yeah but yeah dude uh i got a random question for you were you on bmx board no were you ever on I forums uh, no i uh uh I'm trying to randomly think. Uh, 
Kyle Carlson didn't really care for me, which was vital. Mm-hmm. So anytime that I had to do something to be put, see, this is where I get tricky because some people could listen to this and go, oh, fucking Ricky shit talking. But no, it's, I've always, I've been one of those dudes that just speaks the truth. So I usually I'll rub a person wrong if they don't get to know me or they'll take it out of context for the way I speak. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've done a few things where Kyle Carlson's been. So like with Vital BMX's like online thing. I've always been like, not so much banned from it. It's just anything that I had kind of do with it. It would always just be shadowed out Mm. for some weird random reason. So I didn't Mm. do that. Uh, When the come up came out and Mm. they had like that thing, um, uh, when they had theirs, um, I was more focused on just making an edit and getting on there. And then when I got on there, I ended up getting sponsored. So I could basically shout out Adam 22. If anything, Mm. thanks Adam. You, uh, got me a sponsor with a fucking weird obscure company and then uh i quit the team (laughs) (laughs) i quit the team my first road trip to san diego so there was a Uh, time when you were like actively pursuing trying to make bmx like i don't know i guess maybe you still are but always always i don't give a fuck that's my main goal in bmx in life period since the first time i had Ron Wilkerson grabbed my hand out of the crowd and tell me that I had to ride in a fucking jam with him in mm. 1996. Uh, not jam, sorry, but like a shop stop thing. Mm-hmm. And I was just a little time. I think I was like 13 at the time. And I was doing 360s over that sketchy ass jump box. Mm-hmm. And he just couldn't believe a little 13 year old kid was like three in that. So mm-hmm. he just had me doing that. And I was like, man, I, I just want to do this for, I, this is what I want to do for a living. And it's usually when you meet people there, no one really wants to admit that they want to be sponsored, but there's nothing fucking wrong with getting recognition. There's nothing wrong with getting on a team and being part of something. It's only wrong when you're a fucking douchebag and you rub it in people's face mm-hmm. or you act better than them or you say, oh yeah, I'm sponsored. You know what I mean? That's when I think it's bad. And there's nothing wrong with being proud of what you've achieved and what, you know, what you want in life. Even like I'm be proud to say that you want to be sponsored. You know what I mean? Like have some passion behind what you're trying to pursue. Oh yeah, man. I I just, you know, I got sponsored. My first frame sponsor was Vandal Bikes. I was 17 years old. My teammates were, this is so fucking bananas. uh, Andrew Carpenter, Mike Hoder, uh, Rat Boy, Koji Craft, <laughs> Troy McMurray, and uh, oh fuck! And then there were some Montanans on there, uh, mm. Logan, and a few of the dudes that I grew up with. But it's like, you know, I just, I, I've, I've always wanted it, man. I, I, I used to, I used to work on a military base, and. I would work 50 to 60 days straight, which was pretty much a full winter. Mm-hmm. So then I could have like four days off in a row. So I could just leave, get off at work a 15 hour shift, get off at two in the morning, drive 10 hours, make it to Las Vegas from Montana. Well, it'd be 12 hours. And then I would fall asleep for two hours and drive another 10, 12 hours to make it to San Diego. So I could just go to the home ab, home ab ditch and then hopefully Vic Murphy 
or Brad Blanchard or Ryan Fudger or someone would be down there or Volker. I didn't care. I didn't have any rhyme or reason to go there. I just Mm -hmm. knew I had to go there and I hoped that I would meet them. And those were just all from videos. And I, you know, I didn't have a computer, so I just have to have a map. I'd get lost a lot of times. I'd have to stop at a fucking random uh, 7-Eleven and I'd be like, yo, uh, I'd be like in, I don't know. I'm trying to think of weird random fucking towns. Let's just say it's like Povo. Yeah, that's a town. Povo, Utah. And I'd be like, yo, I'd stop at a 7-Eleven. I'd be like, yo, do you know where the skate park is? And the dude would be like, yeah, man, go 10 blocks. Go to the red light. Take a left. Burger King's on the right. It's right there. You know, I go 10 blocks. Take the left. Burger King's on the right. I look and I get there and it says state park, not <laughs> skate park. That fucking shit would happen all the time. And I'd be like, all right, cool. Now I'll ask the person at Burger King. And I'd hope to find the skate park. And that's what I would do all the time. And I'd work my ass off drive as far as I could 24, 32 hours, sleep in my car, try to ride with pros and just hang out. And then hopefully I got lucky and I got to ride with them. Most of the time I would drive all the way down there, ride with no one, break a shoulder and have to drive home with one fucking arm. Mm -hmm. And, and that's it. And I would constantly do that. If there was a contest, I didn't care how far I'd had to drive. I drove wow. 52 hours to a contest one Jesus time Christ, because I wanted it so bad. And, you know, after a while, you know, I didn't get like my first paycheck as a paid rider until I was like 27. Mm. And, you know, and that wasn't like my goal. My goal was just have the recognition, be mm. on a team, get a frame, not like my own signature frame, just get free bike parts. And some team owner to be like, yo, Ricky's on the team. Yeah. I'm proud of this dude. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. We've always wanted that formal like <clears throat> question. Like, hey, will you ride for us? You know what I mean? <laughs> Every BMX rider has definitely wanted that. But I was going to say, man, I travel a lot for work too. And I'll go to random cities and towns and shit. And it's always, there's nothing worse than like, you go into a gas station, like you said, asking where the skate park's at. And then they give you those like rudimentary instructions on how to get there. And then all of a sudden you get there and there's no skate park. And then you like ask someone who's walking by like, yo, where's the skate park? at?" Like, they're like, man, that, that shit's been gone since 1988. You know what I mean? Like it's the fucker's just long gone. Oh my God. That's how it was when you go to Canada. So how many times you've been to Canada where you live? You probably live close to Canada, right? Never. I've never been to Canada. Actually, okay. I, I went so, to like an airport, but yeah. You never went to a Metro jam? You piece of shit. What kind of <laughs> I, know, are you? I know. Okay. God. So, so I live on the border like of Canada. And so we have Medicine Hat, Lethbridge, and in Calgary. Calgary at one time had the biggest skate park, like the outdoor one, right? I never made it that far because it was a few hours, but we'd always go to Lethbridge. And it was like, you would go there and you never realized, like you always just thought as a kid, like, oh, it's America. And then you go to another country and you're like, oh, fuck, these guys don't even speak English. They all speak French. Mm-hmm. And I remember just going to a part where no one spoke American. They didn't care for me. <laughs> and I'd ask for a skate park and no one spoke English. And they'd always just give me a fucking dog park or something random. And I'd be in the middle of nowhere, Canada. Oh, my God, dude. I just, man, I miss BMX. I miss, I miss Jay Miron. That fucking guy made BMX so great. Man, man, you just said it, man. I miss BMX. You know what I mean? Like, 
Shit, it's just different, you know. Uh, speaking of BMX, man, you're all BMX all the time, man. Do you find any balance in your life? Do you set aside time to, I don't know, maybe for health, fitness, just doing something a little different? Um, I'll be very honest with you because I'm I'm a very open book. I've had uh, multiple relationships before the one that I have now with the woman I'm with. And each woman that I've ever had, I left them. I would be... I get a call and be like, yo, there's a contest. The mm-hmm. pig contest is down in San Diego. I'm like, oh, fuck that. I'm leaving. <laughs> and I would just, you know, I'd have rent due and I just fucking leave and I'd be with the person and I left him. So the older I've gotten, the more I've realized like you can balance a relationship and you can balance BMX. Mm-hmm. And for me, I just try to set aside an hour or 20 minutes a day just to ride my bike. Doesn't matter if I just uh. do a bunny hop bar or something but i try to ride my bike i play the fuck out of world of warcraft Mm. and other than that i just like to hug my significant other because without that person i wouldn't be where i am by seeing how much i love bmx now because before i was such a douchebag and this is things uh, you know if kids are listening to this a lot of the times when people listen to podcasts like these i don't even know what you want to call this shit it's a lot of us that appreciate this as the older guys right but every once in a while, you get that little sneaky fucker that has nothing to do, and he'll listen to this. So if you're a young kid out there, and you're just experiencing having that one woman, remember, if your bike was there before the woman, don't forget your bike. But also, don't be a douchebag to the woman that you're trying to introduce to your bike. Just try mm-hmm. to balance the two out, mm-hmm. and it'll work out fine. Like It's an inanimate object that's a real person. Mm-hmm. So just be honest with the real person. Let them know that like, hey, I'm in love with this fucking and I'm an object. It never yells at me. It never screams. It beats the shit out of me, but I really do love it. So figure that balance point out. And once you find it, it's the greatest thing ever. It's almost like how Flatlanders love tennis courts. That's exactly what I figured out. I found my balance. I found my tennis court. My, my woman is so perfect for me. And she makes me love BMX because she makes me really enjoy that 20 minutes or an hour or two hours or three hours that I get to riding. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I just need 20, 30 minutes for World of Warcraft a day. So I play World of Warcraft like a gangster. And then I do BMX. Like if me and you weren't talking right now, I'm pretty sure I would be looking at something BMX right now. Mm. Even though my woman's here. You're in tune with the BMX world, man, for sure. I, I feel like I'm pretty in tune as well. Well, I, I don't know. I like to be. You know, I like I like it. So if if you're not into BMX like that, if you don't want to be in tune to what's going on, then you don't have to be. But for those of you who enjoy it, then it's fine. What uh, l- Let's be honest here. What do you see trends, people, tricks, things that people do right now that upset you? Like, in all honesty, what do you see that just kind of strikes a nerve? And it doesn't matter if you think you're going to, you know, you're going to upset people or you're going to create a wave. What's the one thing that you see in BMX right now that you just can't fucking stand? Take, just do the old man thing. Give me the old man right now. Uh, 100%. My number one choice is just the, the fact that people feel the need to post stuff. Like, like a lot of times I'll see clips and maybe like a half-ass thing. It's like, man, you don't need 
to post that. You don't need to have this constant uh, content. And uh, I know I'm speaking to you, a man who posts BMX on the fucking daily. So uh, <laughs> let's take Chase Hawk, for instance, man. He fucking, yeah. he, he really burnt me out of him, man. Like he put brakes on and all of a sudden he was posting clips every day, man. And I just couldn't do it anymore, man. I had to hit him with that unfollow, but it's because I, I've said this before, but I, I like to preserve the image of these riders. I don't want to, I don't want to burn myself out. So I, I've been fo- unfollowing a bunch of riders that I truly love and enjoy watching ride because they just, they just, I don't know if they feel the need to remain like relevant in this, uh, you know, ever changing BMX world, but, and, and granted a lot of people love what they're doing and they're, they would stay in tune with them as long as they're doing it. But for me, I need a little space between this footage. You know what I mean? I need a little, a little breather. Now, um, remember I, I called you and I told you about age and BMX and how it is, you know, you're 37 or 38. I'm 36. Okay, so you're 36. Uh, Chase Hawk is, I think, 35. And it's really hard, like, keeping your position. Like, staying at the top doesn't happen Mm -hmm. forever. You know what I mean? But just the idea of keeping a sponsor and staying at the top is really scary. And you see people go through that type of transition. It's just like, look at Chase DeHart. Chase DeHart's been... 180ing and tail whipping and manually. That's it. His whole career. Because that's what people enjoyed. But if I've told Chase multiple times, I was like, dude, why the fuck did you take your brakes off? And why did you stop riding mini ramp? That was like the best riding I've ever seen from you. Like, I enjoy that. Like, people find their comfort zone. They stay there and some of them are afraid to move on. And other ones think like, Oh shit. Well, I got to be relevant. So I have to do this. I have to do that. I have to be like this. I have to try to keep up with the Jones, you know, like the greatest person in BMX did the right thing. Jay Miron. Well, if I can't go full fucking full force, I'm quitting. I'm done. That's it. I'm not going to do it no more. And if you don't pad up fully, then you're not riding. Like, his philosophy is so great, but you know, you take others, I guess I'd put myself in the situation. I work in BMX. Like BMX is obviously the first thing that I love, but that's not what pays the bills. It's working in the industry that pays my bills. And I know that marketing is the best thing. So I can look at Chase Hawk and be like, well, maybe his sponsors for him to keep a paycheck. He's got to do that but he should explain it more and put more detail into it or be more instead of being, you know, I guess, see, now I'm taking my industry part to it. (laughs) He should explain why he's doing it, but a lot of people don't like to do that. So I guess for me, it's because Chase Hawk has to please whatever sponsors he has. And I'm pretty sure if somebody heard this, that's paying him right now, maybe Robbie would be like, well, fuck, I don't force him to ride. Well, you don't have to force him to ride because he's, not really so much a rider for it. He's more than a rider for Colt. See, there's just so many things that goes on in the BMX industry that like, uh, when you work for it, it's really hard for you. Cause like, I was about to say something and I know that I shouldn't say it, but then it's just like, sometimes I just want to fucking say it, but I know I can't say it. I don't know if this makes sense, but sometimes when you hang out with people that are in it, there's just certain things you don't cross the line with, or it's just like, it isn't for the public to know. 
And so there could be people on here listening, being like, I know once they hear this thing, they're going to text me and be like, well, what were you going to say? And I'd be like, well, I'd say this, it doesn't sound bad, but publicly it does sound bad. So it just sucks when you work in the industry because it kind of burns you. Because, you know, if I wasn't working in industry right now, my opinions and my voice would be way different because I would say some fuck things. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good you point. Know? Yeah, for sure. And like, honestly, I, as <clears> much as I, I love BMX and like if someone offered me a job in the industry, I'd probably take it. But like, I'm also proud of the fact that I've been doing this shit for so long and I've never been in the industry. I've never been sponsored, you know, but I'm still, I still share that love for BMX that, that someone that who's in the industry, maybe like yourself does. Like, I think you and I are pretty, pretty similar on how much we enjoy and we love being in tune with BMX and just riding, you know? So that shouldn't dictate your level of passion and how much you love this shit. Like you don't need to involve yourself if you don't want to, you can still share that same love, you know? Right. And it's funny that, uh, the love for BMX, which taught or not taught me, but showed me who you are is through mm -hmm. the same person that, you know, is Insta Diggles. Mm. So, uh, you know, me and Austin have been friends for like six years and we hit it off. And like, Austin is the biggest hidden gem in BMX. People don't know how much he's done behind the scenes for like mid-school BMX. He is mid-school BMX. Like people don't know that. And like, you know, he helped me start Y2K BMX. Mm. Like I, I was like, yo, dude, I have an idea. I want to do something for 2000 to 2010. I'm sick and tired of everybody calling fucking the 2000s mid-school even though if we broke the years down it still goes into the 2000s like 2001 or two but i was like i'm just tired of mid-school i was like that isn't my years like i i was part of that but that isn't me so i don't you know i like the writers and everything for that but i wanted something to represent my years and we just kind of went to starbucks and had a conversation i was like yo i was like i want paul buchanan to be the handle <laughs> and i want i was like what should we do and he's like, you pick 10 riders, I'll pick 10 riders, and we'll just write, we'll post pictures, and we'll just talk about those people. And you give your point of view, and I'll give my point of view, and just post. So there's 20 pictures to look at. And instantly, I had people like Corey Nastasio, uh, Eddie Fio, like just every rider that I could mm -hmm. think of, like just instantly start following it. And it just grew and grew. And then people would like uh, DM me and be like, yo, who are you? And I'd send a picture who it is. And I'd be like, get the fuck out of here. Like <laughs> Keith Hara and all these dudes are like, you know, ground Chuck. They're like, no fucking way. They're like, I should have thought about it because the way you're writing and talking sounds like you, but I didn't mm -hmm. think about it. So it's always really funny when people find out that like I've been running or that I started that page because of like how much effort I, I post. I used to post three to four times a day on Y2K and I did that shit for a year and I put in work and I gave love back to every rider from the 2000s to 2010s. Mm -hmm. And I got so many dudes packages in so many of them back into riding just from posting like Davey Watson came back and 2014 and hit me up and was like, yo. And I was like, yo, let me send you a package. Let me get you back to riding. You know, he cleaned up a little bit. I sent him a package. Uh, Jeff Z hit me up. He's like, yo, rat boy is going to start riding again. Can you help him out? I was like, fuck yeah. And I sent him a package, got him started again. 
uh, Smoker Dave was thinking about coming back. So I was like, yo, you want a package? You know, uh, Ground Chuck, I got him to start dinking around and riding uh, spines and weird shit again. So it's just like those little tiny things made me just fall in love with BMX again. But mm. it was like I was giving my youth and how I felt for riders. Like those guys, all these dudes that are like Cameron Birdwell and freaking uh, Chad Kagey, you know, those guys did so much for me, man. Like they, they hyped me up so much and i was like man i want to give back to these dudes and so you know having diggles just being in my corner and help me start doing that really really worked out man like uh you know yeah super knowledgeable dude and really fucking funny too that's what kind of drew <laughs> me to him i i knew he was smart in bmx and I, he was hilarious so we naturally like fucking you know gravitated toward each other yeah, that's what brought me to you. And yeah. then I saw you do your 10 pictures and your posting. And mm -hmm. I was like, all right, the only way that I can tell if I like this dude or not is if he puts me in one of his fucking 10 photos. And if it's funny, I'll allow it. Like that kind of like, all right, this guy's cool or not. But I was like actually pissed off. I didn't find a photo of me blown up head or some weird shot like you do i was yeah. i was kind of upset you didn't put me in there and i was like wow this guy actually probably likes me because you know most of the time when people like want to take jabs at me they do memes of me and i get yeah. that a lot which it's some are in good taste and other ones are just like oh you're corny come on yeah better. yeah for sure and i like hey there's still time keep doing <laughs> keep doing the shit you're doing i'll get you up there <laughs> <laughs> Oh shit! So, uh, what, let's talk about your sponsors real quick, man. I see you uh, are repping Medieval. What's up with that? How'd that come about? Uh, so my uh, my brother Walter, uh, he lives out in Washington D.C. He just wanted to start a company, and he was asking me if I knew anyone that I think should get sponsored. And a lot of times, this sounds really crazy, is I get sponsored because I'm trying to get somebody else sponsored. So I'll be talking and we'll build a conversation and it'll just end up being like, all right, well, might as well put me on the team. Might as well make me the TM. Might as well make me do the, you know, make me do the posting. I'll get you bike shops. I'll help you out. I'll help you with stuff overseas. I'll help you inland, you know. Uh, Walt's just a great dude, man. And uh, he owned a bike shop. We met that way. And I just told him dudes that he should sponsor. And then eventually just turned into like, uh, you know, I was like, I'll leave Colt. And uh, my situation over a Colt was more of like a back end thing anyway. And I like to be more in the public. And I want to be, you know, I want to do more. Like, obviously, Robbie isn't going to be like, hey, Ricky's here. It was more of like me and Robert are going to work out a deal where I could probably just be the East Coast sales rep or something like that. Mm -hmm. But I don't want to take over for the, you know, from Nick. That's the sales rep there. So it just didn't feel comfortable. But Robbie's been my boy since the fit days. Oh, fuck. Robbie's been my boy since like 2002, 2001. But, uh, damn, 19 years? Damn. Yeah. But, uh, you know. Uh, I just told Walt, I was like, hey, man, if you want to do this or whatever not, here's the guys you should choose. I think these new up-and-coming guys are the new wave. I'm more about giving people that are new a chance because new guys ain't jaded. And number one, they're not opinionated as much. So their opinions aren't jaded. 
and their opinions are more genuine because they don't know any better yet. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. the only problem that I have nowadays, I will say this is a lot of kids nowadays are jumpers. So it's so much easier to get free shit and get a hookup that if the hookup isn't good enough to them, they'll just jump to another one because they have an Instagram and they got big numbers. So let's just get them free shit. And the thing that they don't understand is, hey, you fucking asshole. People are giving you thousands of dollars for free and you're just jumping. Like, that's not cool. That yeah. company had to build and make that stuff. So for me, you know, I just try to, you know, uh, with Walt, I said, hey, let's just choose some underground kids. I got some good ideas, some up-and-comers, people with, you know, good visions, and they have jobs, so they're not going to be, you know, bored and just sitting around riding a bike. <laughs> you know, that, that ain't their main thing. Mm -hmm. And so we ended up popping off with that, and uh, I got a signature frame coming out. Uh... I guess I can say the details now. I'll say it anyway. Um, uh, White House is going to make the prototypes. So uh, my buddy Ben from Montana, he owns White House bikes. And um, I was on White House when it was a clothing company. And then when he became a frame company, I was on Freed, so it wouldn't work. So obviously I wasn't on White House. But uh, Ben got some of the... Uh, solid machines and he also got fbms like a couple things and uh he's been doing a lot of good work so we're gonna get uh my prototype frame made there uh we're either gonna call it the nintendo or the 8-bit oh shit That's and we got graphics made uh the graphics are fucked uh they're really good so uh i guess i'll just detail i don't even care um uh, the medieval, it's basically the Nintendo controller. Mm -hmm. And instead of select start, it says ride BMX. And the controller wire says medieval. So, and so then the front badge is my face on a Zelda body. So it's <laughs> Zelda, but my face. Um, we're going to, I think I'm going to make it a 12 and a half back end. I know you're thinking I'm crazy because a 14 inch back end won't sell. So, uh, <laughs> you know, um, uh, it, it's going to be great. And I'm really proud of Walt. Uh, me and Walt work really great together. I'm happy to be a part of a smaller company yeah. because I'd rather grow than just be somewhere. And, you know, to all the kids that are listening to this, if you ever get a chance to get sponsored and say you get on Zorg bikes, or you get on, I don't know why Zorg bikes came to my mind right away. That's so funny. I haven't thought of them in so long. Uh, that's a New Mexico uh, frame brand. It's got Nick and uh, I can't even think of the other kid on it. Anyway, tangent, tangent. Uh, <laughs> you know, just smaller companies. If you get on one, man, don't look at it and be like, well, Sabrosa is like this and yeah. Kinks like this. It's like, Kink and Sabrosa were super small at one time. Like uh, when Sabrosa first started, Ryan Shear gave me the prototype for the Rich Hirsch signature frame. And I was running that. That's like how small that was. Like that was given to me. And I was on the skeleton crew when that first started. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. I left that to go to fit. And I feel like a dipshit because I could have stayed there and then grew with those guys. And who knows? I could have moved up. 
you know, it just started out as a homie hookup and, you know, Ryan posted me there, but I, I want to tell kids like put in the time, know that if you get with a smaller company, all they have to do is go up. Don't just try to skip it and then be like, Oh, well, you know, this company's giving me this frame for 200 bucks when this other company wants to help you out. That's yeah. the one thing I hate in BMX period. I just hate when dudes get hooked up by a company and they leave it because they want to go to a bigger one. Not because they're loyal, just because of a name. And it's a no-no yeah. for me and my book. And going back anyway, to uh, going back to medieval, medieval and Walt, <laughs> I call him, I call him, I've always called him JR. And actually, you probably aren't aware, but him and I were actually real close friends for a long time. I lived in Virginia for six years and we rode together all the time and we were we were definitely very close. I helped him with uh, when he was starting Gawk, Gawk Bikes before he oh, started shit. medieval yeah he started a little little parts company with another dude um biff his name is biff cheese thomas and uh yeah i know him. yeah and uh good dudes man and i've always admired jr's passion and i've always followed what he's been doing i've always just like supported him you know what i'm saying so i'm fucking yeah. stoked for him and i'm and i saw that you were riding one i was like oh fuck yeah so that's pretty cool man <clears throat> yeah and it, it's just like uh i you know, like the program and everything that he's doing, I just try to put my input and just let him know that everything, the grassroots thing works so great. Like it, it just works. Not the grassroots that Stranger did when they first came out and they had everyone make a, uh, a sponsor me edit. And then the sponsor me edits, you know, you got sponsored from that one when I realistically think that they already had the riders picked. They just wanted advertising. See, there's another thing. God damn it. I'm speaking out too much. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you uh, Bulldog bikes. I think it was called Bulldog. Dude, they had the greatest team in BMX at one time. Yeah. Another dude from Virginia rode for them, Mike Walker. He was a real tall dude who lived in yeah. like, southeastern Virginia. Yeah, man. I, I just, dude. <sighs> yes. Those were ugly. So was Black Eye. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? There's yeah. always something. Dude. Uh, Lee Ramsdale was giving me Easterns. I had the first Grim Reapers, dude. I was snapping a frame probably uh, every three weeks, but I was doing like 360s down 16 stairs <laughs> in 2008, 2007, because I thought that was like the next big thing to do. Yeah. Like I was like, oh, I got to get sponsored, but I'm doing it with a frame with the holes cut out. Yeah. Eastern's you know, still going, man. Shout out Robbie T holding it down. Hell yeah, man. It's just, you know, and kids always look for a way to like try to dog on things. And it's like, man, everybody rebrands, everybody makes mistakes. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah. you know, tr Tree was the most gangsterous aftermarket place ever. Then he wanted to switch and go to Taiwan. I don't know if he's still doing Taiwan. And I think he went back to aftermarket and now he's got a team. And I saw the team went to Montana to go ride the parks. It's, you know, it's great. You know, if you get a chance to ride for a team or you get a chance to support a team or a team's hooking you up, just try to be there for the long run, man. Like, and I can't say that I ain't a homie humper or humper, <laughs> uh, jumper. You know, I, <laughs> you know, I just said with, with Ryan, I didn't stick with it and I left and I, you know, I went with fit because Robbie was so nice, but I did it because Eddie Cleveland. Like, Eddie was the biggest thing at the time. That was my best friend growing up. So I was like, I, I want to be a part of that. 
And if I get a chance to get on there, I'll do this. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then I left from that and went to Amity. And then that didn't work because of some piece of shit dude I didn't like. And then, you know, move on from that. I got on Freed Bikes, which was made by Solid Bikes, which was, I, no one broke, that frame company was around for five years and no one broke a frame. No one. How is that possible? Yeah. And I'm not even exaggerating. I, I can't even exaggerate it. No one broke a frame in the five years. So great. Speaking of mistakes, you had mentioned people making mistakes. How do you feel about the Madeira BMX situation? Uh, well, I guess, uh, I don't know if you read the comments. I voiced my opinion. Uh, no, I didn't. You didn't. Okay, no. so on the uh, on the page with Sean uh, Sean Moore mm -hmm. uh, posted, you know that thing, and I told him my situation in 2010, which happened to be the same time as him, is I had somebody say something uh, called me a prairie n word, which is the worst thing you can call a Native American, mm -hmm. and I ended up quitting Amity because of that situation, and mm -hmm. it was like I felt where he was at mm -hmm. and you can't i'm obviously not african-american or whatever political term that you want to use mm -hmm. i can't say how he feels or anything but i i think it was something great for him to say and it took a lot of balls and people can say what they want to say but they weren't there and they're not African-American, so they don't mm. know how it feels. Mm -hmm. And so I put a little bit of myself in his shoes and the situations that I went through and what I've had happen to me. And things have happened. And it really sucks. And I think Madeira should have addressed it right away. Obviously, mm -hmm. the TM was somebody else. Uh, I have no problem with him. He's never been racist to me. Mike hasn't. But and then I also think profile should have done something right away too. It just happens that it was at a time when social justice was happening, man. And what happened deserved to happen. It should have been addressed. It should have been taken care of. I don't care how long of a time it was because if something happened bad to someone and had a hard time speaking about it, there is, no, you know, time is time. When you feel it's right to say something, mm -hmm. you've got to say something. And that all, it's done now. Now that name is, that everything about that is tarnished. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so I, for, for starters, I, like I've, I've known Sean for a long time too. He's from the same area I grew up in. But what I was going to say was I can't comprehend the feeling, you know, what he went through. I wasn't there and I don't know. I, I just can't, man, the, the environment, the atmosphere in that van had to have been so fucking awkward. Like, yeah, I wanted to do that. And then you just got to sit there like, what the fuck? And then the, to me, I feel like there's a, there could be like a resurrection in place when it comes to that brand though, because I, I feel like they could have done, they could have done a better job. And I just don't think they need to be dead because of the whole situation. I think they could figure out a way to rebuild and rebrand and just show people like, Hey, we're not Mike. Mike's not us. We are who we are. He, that, that thing happened and we're going to move on and we're going to, and this is what we're doing, you know?
Right, but uh, just given circumstances and the way the world is right now, yeah. there is no time for that. And kudos, kudos to Rich Hirsch over there taking care of Sean. And mm -hmm. uh, he's now on Stranger and stuff like that. I mm -hmm. mean, speaking for my instance, when I had that happen to me, I tried to fight the dude. So I literally, and he said it to me probably 20 times and said it in front of tons of people. Matt Clausen, like I can go through so many pros that yeah. were there during the time. Uh, Tony Maloof was there. Matt Clausen was there. There was multiple dudes that were around. Jeff Westcott was there that were around when he was saying fuck things to me. Mm. And it made it just David Grant. It was just so awkward for me. Right. And I was like, motherfucker. And I'm not even going to give this person's name or say anything because he's already dug his own grave. But I am still affected by it and it yeah. still hurt me to this day so i just put myself in his shoes and i'm like man you know even me to this day even though i can't stand that person whatever not i've never outed him and i've never said anything public mm. he knows who he is and the people that were around know it like i had an edit i had a split edit with mike hucker and he took it down and Mike Hooker hit me up three years ago asking where it was. And I was like, yo, well, text him. He fucking tore the video down. My, my video, I had like two videos of me, me and him. And I had another video this dude made. And the dude took him down to erase him because I just wasn't going to stand for his shit. And for me, I, I'm, I'm proud of Sean for doing that, man. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, it sucks. It went that way and it got crazy. I, I think they should have addressed it way sooner. Should have been done different. I wasn't there. I can only voice my opinion. Mm -hmm. And I'm not here to say this should be done or do that. That's what sucks about politics and BMX, man. Mm -hmm. We have so many things that, I mean, fuck. There's just so many bad things that have happened in BMX. Yeah. You know, and when those doors open, it sucks, dude. You know, <sighs> yeah, it's man. a tough one. Uh, yeah and, and honestly like i'm i'm sorry you had to go through that too you know what i mean i i don't know how you how it must have made you feel and good on, good on you for persevering and taking the high road you know what i I'm had saying? to call i had to call three of his sponsors and talk to the tms to ask him what to do and his best friend and they all told me one said they punched him in the face the other one said he choked him and the other one said they pushed him all three of the TMs that I called from the teams that he was sponsored by. Mm -hmm. And I was like, man, fuck this. I, I just, you can't be around people like that. Yeah. And it just sucks, dude, because BMX is so small. And mm -hmm. I try to warn kids. Like, I definitely try to help out tons of people. Like, uh, for example, I remember being in Vegas, riding street, and seeing Jeff Westcott murdering it. And his TM at the time for felt was Josh Bentley. And Josh just wasn't like excited about him as I was. He was more excited about like Devin Smiley at the time because Devin was coming up, you know? Mm -hmm. And I just told Jeff, I was like, dude, let me do something for you. I bet you I can get you a sponsor and get you a paycheck. Mm -hmm. I was like, you deserve it, man. Yeah. I was like, your edits are fire as shit. Your writing is completely different. And your vocabulary, you and Tony Maloof are so weird. You're mm -hmm. lovable all you dudes are i was like let me help you out you know and <clears throat> you know i got him i got him on amity and then uh 
you know, I saw him a few months later and he left Amity and he's like, Hey Ricky, I need you to get me another sponsor. And then after that, I'm like, Ugh. you know, sometimes this is a thing that happened in your life is you'll meet a lot of people. You'll help them out. And I believe I can go through all the situations I've ever had for sponsors. And I can remember the people that helped me get there. Never forget where you came from and never forget the people that helped you climb the mountain. Because mm -hmm eventually you're going to need those people again and it comes full circle and yeah. for me kurt rowell is the man he's a tm for vandal bikes he got me there chad elslick i don't forget him ryan Shear when he started Subrosa, and i was like the fuck is Subrosa? you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. you know i got robbie i you know i can just go through so many people that have given me a chance and helped me out and i never forget them and i can say i can think of multiple people that I've helped get frame sponsors or sponsors for. And I can remember reading interviews and it's just like, it ekes you sometimes. And I know I'm saying this, we're having a conversation, but it's like, sometimes I'm just like, man, you could have just been like, yo, Ricky said this, or, you know, my friend from Montana helped me with this. Just, just a little like that, you know, mm -hmm. like I'm not saying say my name or do something, but just remember the people that were there for you at the yeah. beginning. Don't forget those people. That's the hardest thing for me is you really see true colors in this business because it's so small and you see who's humble and who's not humble. Mm -hmm. And, I, you know, in, in, in the industry, you know, I'm definitely, I wouldn't say I'm as much as catfish. I don't go as extreme as catfish, but I'm very open. And I do say my opinion and I do say things that rub people wrong. But if they got to know me, I am the nicest person. I'll do whatever I can for you. And I'll go over and beyond for almost anybody in BMX. I'm even to the point that that person that we just had that conversation about, if he texted me and wanted to have a conversation about it, I'll forgive him and forget it and move on and not have hatred or anything in my bones. But every once in a while, when I comment somewhere else, he'll say something cheeky in the comments about me and think I don't notice it. So hmm. it takes it takes all it takes is just for somebody to realize what they do. Yeah. And so I oh God, man, that Madeira situation is crazy. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I like a challenge and to fucking let, let me take a run at it. You know, let me take a crack at it. Like I can rebrand yeah, the image. Like easy, easy. All you do is just get a black TM. <laughs> 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 you just go and get a, you know, you get worms or you get, uh, I'm trying to think of dude. You just get Edwin Del Rosa, make him the TM of it. Start a whole team branded around that. I don't know. You know, it's, yeah. it, it could something, something from it could, could happen. But I, I think in the environment right now, and it's a pretty sore subject, I, I think wait a bit because it could have been handled a little bit different. And you are right with the challenge. It, it can definitely come back. I mean, Look at Hoffman Bikes, and mm -hmm. it is an extreme, but they sold direct, and people still haven't recovered from them selling direct. Yeah, You know, Eastern sold direct. People still haven't recovered from that, and that's not as extreme as what happened over at Madeira. Yeah. So who knows? You know what I mean? BMX is just small, man. That's the thing people have to realize. Like, yeah. on this podcast, I don't know how many people listen to this, but it's going to be here forever. Mm -hmm. And when they listen to this, those – hundreds of people that listen to this 
some things are going to be taken some way and some things are going to be taken the other way. But at mm -hmm. the end of the day, they need to know that like I'm on here and I want to speak the truth. And that's pretty much how I've always been. Yeah. And you had mentioned catfish and <clears throat> what I was going to say was there's a, <laughs> there's a thin line between, you know, speaking your opinion out of love, which I think is what you do. And a lot of what catfish does, I think is trying to boost his own image and his own brand, you know, regardless of what he's saying, he's not necessarily saying that stuff out of love. So I myself too voice my opinion quite a bit, but, but it's because I love BMX, man. I want people to grow, you know? Yeah, definitely. And I think a lot of it is misunderstanding from catfish. Like my conversations and things that I have with catfish are magnificent. That dude is a fucking Bible. That man knows so many things and has done so many things. And mm. I just said, hey, I don't know politics and I don't know anything about the Illuminati and the things that you like. I just love you for BMX and I love what I've done around you. That's the things that I like. I don't care what you do. I don't care about any of those things. As long as I'm not involved in them, it doesn't bother me. And that's pretty much how like I've treated everything with BMX, man. Like I, I remember uh, my woman was talking about because she's from, uh, she lived in New York. And when you're in New York, you just see celebrities all the time. And getting starstruck is like kind of, you know, she just didn't really get starstruck. And she was telling me about one person she got starstruck from. But I can just remember one time being in an elevator or like I push the button, elevator opens, I get in the elevator, I like push the number and I'm like sitting down, you know, looking down and I kind of look to the right and I do like a double take and I realize the person next to me is Matt Hoffman, right? And uh, <clears throat> I sit there and I'm like, fuck, man, I should say something I'm like nah you know that like awkwardness like i know everything about that motherfucker i know oh, all yeah. of his lines i know everything about this dude and i'm like mm -hmm. man i'm not gonna say nothing i'm not really starstruck but i know that he's just tired of people that just come up to him randomly say shit right yeah and so like i i the door opens i get ready to leave and he's like hey have a good day montana ricky mm -hmm. and i was like yes like wow you know, that part in BMX is what I love, dude. I, mm -hmm. All the time and effort, everything I've ever put into BMX came to me sitting in an elevator next to a man that I grew up loving. And I didn't have to say a word to him. And when I got off, he showed me respect by just saying, have a good one, Montana Ricky. And it was like the the dopest thing ever. Yeah, and it's you want like talk about <clears throat> achievements, man. That's 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 a pretty good one right there. Yeah. And, you know, and those achievements ain't because I'm the greatest rider in the world. It isn't because I'm the biggest BMX whore and I've sucked the biggest BMX dick. It's just because I've always shown respect to people. I've, well, I've rubbed a lot of people wrong. I've probably done a lot of things that are wrong. But if I've hurt anyone's feelings or done anything, I've always tried to apologize to everyone. And, um, I've just always tried to put a smile on people's faces and I've always just, man, I'm so goofy. The last time I was around Brad McDonald, I told Brad, I was like, yo, come here, let me touch your finger. <laughs> He's like, why? I was like, I just want to touch the finger that took the picture of Vic Murphy doing the greatest tabletop ever. Mm -hmm. And by the way, that shit should have been the cover because me and Vic Murphy talked about it. And if you look at that dumb cover photo you took, of him doing the one foot table at the mission trails that sucked 
And he's like, are you really saying that to me? And then like Robbie Morales and uh, John from Haro. And mm-hmm. I think somebody else was there. The dude from Verde. Who's uh, Sam? Scott. Sam. Scott. Yeah. They're like, what the hell? And I was like, yeah, you just took the greatest photo ever and you have the best fingers. I just need to touch it. But seriously, me and Vic Murphy talked about how you should have put that as the cover. And so I just transition and say so much random weird things. And I mm-hmm. guess if people are standing around and heard me, you know, they would be offended. But if they got to listen to how I finished my sentence and just goes into complimenting people and thanking them for the achievements that they have achieved that made me, I guess, achieve what I've always wanted in BMX. And what I've always wanted in BMX is just to be a part of it. Like, Mm. you know what I mean? I've just wanted to walk into a room and be like, oh my God, it's Van Homan. And then be like, I know all these stories. I know his favorite color. I know his birth date. I know what his favorite poker hand is. I know how long he's been running two by four. And then I want to look over and go, oh my God, it's Stu Johnson. Holy shit. He's filmed this. This is his first video that he's done. This is the stuff that he's given to this guy. This is the stuff he did. I remember this clip he's done here. And then, oh my God, it's Ian Morris. He's such a midget. (laughs) You know what I mean? I just want to walk around and I know so much about these people. And just when they make eye contact with me, they go, hey, Montana that's probably the biggest achievement I've had in BMX. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's huge, man. Good for you. And, uh, I know you're still pushing. I know you keep climbing and, uh, what's, what's, what's the future hold for you, man? What you got planned? Uh, my plans is, uh, like I said, balancing and, uh, I got a great balance, uh, with my woman uh, I just want to keep a smile on her face and make our relationship better. And if she's smiling, my bike will smile. And it's just great to have that. It sounds so weird because I guess younger kids don't think that way. They think more of like, you know, um, and my woman just blew me a kiss. She got really happy by what I said, by the way. <laughs> That's right, boy. Uh, you know, a lot of guys don't think about the relationship and it's like that balance point. I know I'm coming back to it, but my goal is to just be like, Hey hon, I'm having a headache. I need to go ride. And then she just slaps me in the ass and says, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> that's my, that, you know, that's one goal. My other thing is, is to just be mentally happy with who I am. Because my problem is, is you talked about Instagram. Instagram is a huge fucking downer for me. If I post something and I'm super happy about it and I don't get, I don't get like that, like uh from it, Mm -hmm. I get down and -hmm. that's the negative about it. But at the same time, I'm happy because the people that do give me that like, "Mm," are like dudes where I'm like, okay, this is cool. Like, you know, they'll text me or DM me and tell me like they're stoked on it. They don't comment. They're assholes. I'm like, come on, just give me a little squeeze, squeeze. So people can see you said that. Don't just text me. it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But like, I just want to be able to be healthy, keep riding. Uh, I don't, I, maybe I'll work out a little bit. I don't, I just don't like that shit. Working out to me is just riding my bike, man. I want to have, I want to be, I think Brad Sims is cheating because Brad Sims works out all fucking day long. That's why he has a huge bunny hop. Mm-hmm. I want to have a natural bunny hop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my bunny hop wants to come from lifting my bike, yeah. not from lifting weights. 
like Brad <laughs> lift weights all day long. He's in shape. I don't want to hear it. Him and Kevin Robinson. And yeah, all these yeah. That just buff out. Fuck out of here, dude. I got a dad bod and I'm still pushing like 36, 38 inches of straight bunny hop muscle. You yeah, know, dude. <clears throat> I was just saying much respect to K-Rob for what he was doing off the bike, you know what I mean? That, that fitness and that work ethic he implemented and then brought that into BMX really seemed to help him out a lot. And Yeah, and giving back to the kids, dude, that's the main thing with BMX, man. In the future, this is what I want to do. I want to teach kids that you can do more than just ride a BMX bike to be sponsored. You could be a sales rep. You could be a warehouse manager. You can be a developer. You can be a photographer. You can be a filmer and you can still ride and you can still be a part of BMX and you could be a TM. Nobody ever as a kid goes, Hey, I want to be a TM. And the reason that happens is because, let's be honest, the only people that have been choosing younger TMs lately has been Moeller. And moeller has been taking a chance with fit and been like, yo, I'm going to grab a 20-something-year-old early 30s instead of a late 40s dude that's yeah. been riding like an ex-pro. Like, I feel like dudes that get older that don't stay in it long enough and ain't riding anymore don't know what it's like to vape and have a weird mustache okay they just have mullets and uh tire belts oh <laughs> uh, yeah fuck yeah you know what i'm saying like oh, yeah like it's the same thing with x games judges and i always say to lee ramsdale i'm like dude i don't like i understand why you're a judge because you can actually do some of the things you're judging i don't think you can be something if you've never done it. As a sales rep, I don't think you should be a sales rep if you've never worked in a bike shop. I don't think you should be a judge at the X Games if you can't do a majority of those tricks. It doesn't make sense for you to judge something that you're not a part of, that you haven't done. My opinion, I'm keep going. Now, TMs. I don't think you should be a TM if you're closed-minded or you only have one idea of something. You need to realize that the youth is the future and what they're trending and what they're doing is what it's going to lead to. So you need to bend to that. And I feel like a lot of the older guys are the ones that run BMX and they run BMX the way they like BMX. Mm. And I feel that slows us down and we can't grow. Imagine, imagine if Vic Murphy was a TM and Vic just told Van Homan, yo, dude, I'm just going to need you to do tabletops all day long, bro. I don't know if yeah. those fucking dumbass rail manuals are worth it, bro. I don't know where you're going with that. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. So like I just I, man I could go on a topic that forever but those are the thing I want is I just want kids to know that they don't have to be the best bike rider to get sponsors. I am living proof to that. I am not the best rider. I have the highest seat. I ride goofy. I'm a bitch peddler. I definitely break every rule there is in BMX because guess what? There is no rules in BMX. <laughs> So do whatever the fuck you want to do. Ride however you want to ride. Just don't vape. Don't have a weird mustache. Stop wearing those big-ass baggy pants. That's the only thing I want to bitch about. And uh, 
you know what I mean? Just put a smile on your face and uh, realize that whatever you're doing on Instagram, this is the kids that, that kids don't know, is we're watching you. Sponsors are watching you. So you need to realize when you pop a tire and you say, hey, fuck that company's tire, I saw that. And even if it ain't my company or someone else's company, we know that you're one of those people. Mm-hmm. So remember that every single time you get a flat tire, don't post it. I don't care what anyone said. Like just if you're going to post it, say, oh, shit, I pinch flatted or something like that. But just don't shit talk. There's always people watching you. And BMX is so small. You need to realize that there's always eyes on you or ears because this is a podcast and we're listening to this right now. Mm-hmm. So there's ears. So for me in the future, it's to put smiles on kids' faces build a foundation and let everybody know that no matter what you're someone in BMX, even if you're not the best person in BMX, because guess what? That one kid that sits at the deck all day long and never moves, but has the dopest looking bike, you know, and I know that we can, <laughs> we can guarantee you that guy will give us a call when somebody comes to the skate park and we should show up. He's always going to have it. Everybody has their place in BMX. Mm-hmm. Everybody period. What else you want? What else we got? Am I out talking to you yet? You about getting burned out? I know you're burned out. Your kids are just waiting for you. Your wife's probably like, this dude is talking. <laughs> <laughs> no, man. I just I want to thank you, dude, because uh, this was awesome, and you're a good man, and I wish you the best. And it's good. We finally got to link up, man. I know we've been talking about it for a while. Yeah, dude. Uh, I did. I I figured you'd only give me thirty minutes. I don't know how long we've been bullshitting, but I don't know. You're either. doing pretty good. See that? See what happens when you talk BMX? Did you get lost? And that's the thing about BMX. If you're around somebody that's like-minded or somebody that can stimulate your mind, mm-hmm. like the greatest conversation, if you ever get it, this is my favorite thing to everybody. I'm going to tell you on this. The next time you see Vic Murphy, ask Vic Murphy his opinion about BMX. It is the greatest seven-hour conversation you will ever have. And he will say the most fuck things. That is my favorite thing. <laughs> Another favorite thing about BMX is asking people in BMX that you idolize random questions and then seeing what they're going to say to you. I love it. Damn. Sometimes I may uh, ruin your image a little bit though, you know? No, no. It, it literally, like, uh, the, like I gave you a, an idea about uh, when I said, hey, Brad McDonald, let me touch your finger. Like yeah. it's probably the weirdest thing to say to a person. And then right. I went on to why I wanted to touch it. And then Vic Murphy telling me about the cover and then just bringing all this stuff together. And then everybody look at me and going, God, dude, you're the most weirdest BMX lover ever. You just <laughs> brought in all these weird stories, but they all collect together. I don't know. Take the chance. Cause let's get, just remember this in life. Most of the time you're never going to see or meet that person ever again. So how random of a question can it really be? <laughs> that is right, that. dude. Yeah, that is a good point. Think of that. That's that right there is the first time that I went to a two hip show and they put the camera in my face and they said, kid, what do you feel right now? And I said, I feel like I got a circus in my pants. I'm 12. I didn't even know what that meant. I just watched the movie and everyone laughed during the movie. So I thought it was a funny thing to say. You see that? And yeah. Ron still remembers me from that time on. So never know. That's awesome. Right on, man. Montana Ricky, thank you, sir.
Hey, you're welcome, dude. I hope this turns out good. Uh, let me know when this comes on. When are you going to put it on? Let's see how good of a worker you are. Let's when, see. When you, when you drop in this. Talk I to don't, me. I don't fucking know, man. We'll see. Next couple days. That's what I like to hear. See that? I, I'm so used to being rushed with everything. I'm going to yeah. need this. I'm going to need this in like six years, Rob Delecky. Okay? <laughs> perfect. I want everything pristine. Either way, brother, thank you for the opportunity. Everybody listening to this, uh, if you made it this far, I love you. And uh, if we ever get a chance to ride bikes, uh, let's do it. Big bike, small bike, unicycle, skates, rollerblades, don't care. <laughs> Hell yeah. All right, brother. All I'm right, out. man. Later. <laughs> God damn. Woo. Man, I can finally talk. God damn, that boy can talk. But that's good, man. That's good. BMX needs all different types of people, man. They need people who are just utterly obsessed with this shit like Montana Ricky. And they need people that ride once a month. Uh, they, we need everyone. Alright? We fucking need everybody. But one thing I want to say about Ricky. He cares about this shit, man. He truly cares about BMX. And good on him for what he's been able to accomplish. I'm fucking stoked for you, man. And I appreciate you taking some time to holler at me. For everybody still listening, thank you so much. The feedback's been incredible. And the love has just been insane, man. I feel good. I'm happy. I hope y'all are happy, too. If you got something you want to say, leave you know, leave an anonymous voicemail. If you got something that's, you know, something that's bringing you down, maybe. And you just need somebody to talk to, talk it through. Hit up that hotline, all right? 317-661-1339. Just hit it up. You can be anonymous and I'll, you know, I'll just I'll give you a response. I'll give you some feedback. I'm all ears. But I gotta take my ass to bed, man. I'll catch y'all later, alright? I'm gone. <laughs>